Welcome back, everyone. If you have uh, returned, um, my thumb is up. I see the thumbs up. Great. Um, let me see your back. And if your your screen is off, you can maybe even use the thumb up in the um, reactions. You, know, you can say, "I'm here." Be great. Yay! Thanks, Ty. Yay. All right. Great. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Yeah. My partner is off doing a, a, a personal retreat. So I had to like sneak a card in their bag and, you know, kind of do some stuff so that they could feel a little bit of my love coming towards them. So that was what I did. They took off yesterday. So I was trying to shove it into the uh, suitcase, you know, before they... Um, before they opened it up and said, oh, there's a card here. So I tried to make it a surprise. So, well, I want to tell you about the title of my talk. So I have two titles and the first one came about with, you know, I really like to bring in song. So I thought about uh, Tina Turner, what love's got to do about, what is, what is it? What's love got to do, got to do, you know, I'm not really a good singer, but anyway, that was my attempt. And then I thought, oh, everything, love has got to do with it, everything. And then I thought, well, yeah, I probably won't do a song. I said, well, maybe the power of love. And then I thought, oh, do you remember who did that? Air Supply, back in the, anyway, going back, uh, back in the 80s, I believe. But one of the things about the power of love, I think that stuck more than anything. Because in 2019, I was at Spirit Rock and I was on a teaching team for a training. And there had been some tension that arose within the, the body of, the, of uh, the upper hall. And one of our teachers, our guest teachers came and started, we started practicing and chanting and holding just deep listening to, to the Bodhisattva Kuan Yin. And what we were feeling was this immense fire that was in our hearts. So we started to circle, circular ambulate the upper hall. And I don't know if you've been at Spirit Rock and seen that, but you know, it's pretty big. So, you know, you're kind of not going in a, you're kind of circle ambulating it and we're just chanting, chanting, chanting. And as we were doing that, I felt the power that was being created. It was permeating throughout the diversity of the spirits and the minds and the hearts of everyone there. I also felt the immense cloud of suffering that had been walking with everyone that they brought their hearts into it. So it was really a tension packed time. But I also felt the deep well of compassion that was abiding. So I thought about this power of love. And so that's where I guess the title is, The Power of Love. So this evening, we're going to explore how do we cultivate our own love medicine? That which is healing our hearts. This medicine has got to be created by the alchemy of time, space, intention, love, and power leaving none of those out. All of these elements are critical to have this fusion occur. 
We need time and space in order to suss out where our hearts are weeping and maybe wounded or broken. We need the will and intention to inquire about the conditions ruminating in our heart-mind. And we need the healing power of love sprinkled throughout our medicine cauldron. So as we enter into our spiritual crucible of our heart's fires, we have several choices that we could use these tools, right? We can either burn with such an intensity that we melt all of the elements that we put into the cauldron, or we can monitor the heat index in as much as we begin to forge something anew. And sometimes that newness is even stronger because of the fire. A new consciousness, a new energy found in cultivating a strong, pliable, and loving heart. You know, all of these methods are okay. They're all fine. It's really about the choice. And they also are dependent upon, upon time and space and whatever that conditionality is in our lives. So in our process of awakening to the innate realness of relations between the heart, mind, power, and love, we are repairing our hearts and minds from nature's fibers, from the metals and the earth. We're repairing ourselves to return back to wholeness or at least to a position that will allow us to walk with the multiplicities of joy and sorrows, anger and love. And I have to say, none of us are exempt from this. We all have this sense that, you know, we are joyful and then we've got some sorrow too. Our hearts are so tender and we have to take care of them in so many ways. The late beloved writer and scholar, Bell Hooks, she said in an interview with Sharon Salzberg, anytime we do the work of love, we are doing the work to end domination. And that's huge because the conditionality in which we're facing our lives today, sometimes, are, it's a, sometimes for me, it's a bit unbearable. And so we the act of of really doing this work around our heart and our love. This love medicine is critical. But I want to talk for a moment about the heart. I'm going to give you some facts. You may already know them, but they were quite um, illuminating to me. And I kind of knew this already, but I'll, I'll give you a little bit. Okay. The heart beats 100,000 times a day. The heart pushes 5,000 gallons of blood through the body every 24 hours. It delivers oxygen and nutrient-rich blood to our tissues and carries away the waste. At rest, it might beat about 60 times a minute, but that could increase to about 100 times, you know, depending, 100, excuse me, 100 beats per minute. Many factors contribute to your heart rate and contribute to them not being normal. 
What we're really aiming to do is find the right medicine for healing and caring deeply for this tending to the heart. And here's the most, the thing that really, not blew my mind, but the heart is this organ that is literally this big. It's the size of your closed fist that lives within the cavity of your body. This is it. This is it, right? And it does all that, right? It beats a 100,000 times and does all this work and we don't pay it any mind. <laughs> it's that, it's astounding what we do or don't do. The frequency of our pulsing heart rhythms, they're necessary to sustain us. They're the same rhythms in need of our tender and compassionate care. With our awareness practices, what we do in meditation, sati, right, bringing mindful awareness to our, we're doing that with non-restricted hearts. We can subtly feel into how essential the heartbeat coupled with the breath is life itself. And that leads to this awakening heart, to the liberation path that we've chosen. With an untamed heart and mind, with an unrestricted fire, uncontained fire burning, with a spiraling, sometimes we spiral into suffering, into dukkha. It fuels these inner flames, the flames that I experienced in 2019 at Spirit Rock. Our suffering, are, they're both external and internal. And oftentimes, they're working in concert together. And we don't even know it. I mean, it's such a subtlety around this heart and this love. But let's just get on the same. And we're going to get, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the definition of love. And one of my teachers, Eugene Cash, um, in one of the programs I was in, he would always say, let me give you the definition of the word. And once I started doing that, things started to become so much more clear to me. So de defining love. Love is a noun, is an intense feeling of deep affection. You know, fondness, tenderness, warmth, intimacy, attachment. There's that word. Um, doting, worship, passion, infatuation, mm, all good, right? Love is a noun again, is a great interest and pleasure in something. You're liking it. You're partial to it. You're bent on it. You're inclined towards it. There's entertainment. There's passion. There's zeal. There's zest, enthusiasm. Love is a verb, a feeling of deep romantic or sexual attachment to someone, the synonyms, to be in love with, infatuated with, be smitten with. I've been smitten a lot of times, I gotta tell you. That's love. Be passionate about, um, feel deeply for, all of those things, right? So now we've done the nouns and the verbs. Here's the antonym to love. 
And I think we know what that is. It's hatred. It's hate. It's detesting something. So whether we desire a deep, affectionate love, especially on this beautiful, beautiful Valentine's Day, a devotional love or just pure love, we are speaking about sacred love. Not a passive love, not a recipe for heartbreak, but a love supreme. How many of you know about John Coltrane? He has a beautiful jazz classic called A Love Supreme. And I mean, it just carries you away with this, thank you, Nick, (laughs) with this melody, right? It's sacred, this love, this heart, how we're working it. Here's a quote that I'm kind of associating with love's medicine. It's by Jack Kornfield. Love is based on our capacity to trust in a reality beyond fear, to trust the timeless truth bigger than all of our difficulties. Love is without demands. Sometimes love means standing firm. Sometimes love means letting go. Sometimes love means letting be. Love blossoms whenever we step beyond our fears and rest in the generosity of the heart. Beautiful. Beyond fear. Big steps, sometimes they're quantum leaps for us. But it's all possible as we start to cultivate an open and giving and expansive heart. Love is a practice. Turning the wheel of the Dhamma towards the path of purification isn't easy. Even if we use all the Buddha's teachings and we develop really strong scholarship and we learn it in English and Sanskrit and Pali, all of the the languages of the Buddha, and we're well-intended and well-informed, at times it's just not enough. We need to create the right elements in our alchemic blend to practice with love and develop an open heart for healing. In Buddhism, it's said that our conditionality, that we're all conditioned beings, that our experience is our condition, and with that conditionality, it is akin to suffering. This type of existence, we have an opportunity to to transcend those conditions. And we're all conditioned human beings, whether it's societal or familial, we all are conditioned beings. We have complex relationships, stories, histories, herstories, ancestral traumas, They rise up when this resurgence of whether it's racism, homophobia, xenophobia, ageism, ableism, you know, social, political injustice, economic and class. I mean, there's just so much. And hate, when it is present, and when all of these factors, these conditions present themselves, they're presenting themselves 
to our very, very fragile world. The heart, the fragility of our hearts. And as Jack spoke to, sometimes we have to go beyond fear to a timeless knowing awareness, bigger, bolder, and more fierce than our small selves, or the awareness that lies within our subtle body knowing. This human life This human life. I'll read you a poem. It's called How to Fall in Love by Jeff Foster. When you shift your focus from what is absent to what is present, from what is missing to what has been given, from what you are not to who you are, from the ravages of linear time to the intimacy of now. We are connecting with love, truth, and beauty. And abundance is yours effortlessly. For in truth, nothing is lacking where you are. Nothing is missing from the present scene of the movie of your life. And you are forever full and at a point of completion. The only reason we cannot find oneness is because you never left. The day is just waiting to be lived. So breathe in life, friend. Breathe in life. And that's by Jeff Foster. I found that to be just so spot on that when we transcend fear, we have this opportunity, this possibility of opening our hearts. The same blood that pulses through this small fisted organ can also be filled with toxicity. When we don't think we have enough, when we become hardened and crusted over and we're weeping and we're wounded, and that same organ can be expanded and cultivated and softened. And it can be an organ of receiving immeasurable love. One of my teachers and mentors, we were talking about how we walk in the world on this path. And we were talking about the defended heart. I know that I walk around with a wounded heart, a constricted heart, and I am oftentimes in defense. I'm closed, I'm muddled. But how can we find freedom when we're living in that state? Always ready for the, we're bristled, right? We're ready to harden our heart because we don't want to be wounded. So natural. And yet, there's toxicity, there's harm that we're doing actually to ourselves. 
And my teacher said, in order to know freedom, you have to allow the truth of our experience to be known. And as we undefend, recalibrate, and move beyond our limited beliefs of what love is and what it isn't, we have a better opportunity to touch into this true essence, our true essence, our true nature. It's practice. Every drop of practice is significant. As the Buddha says, with dripping drops of water, the water jug is filled. Little by little, we're not talking about something grand. Just little by little. Bell Hooks again, she says, our innate capacity to love is like a seed in the soil. What do we need to do to activate that seed and to make it blossom? There's going to be periods of dormancy, just like any beautiful fostering of what we're doing in life. And we can continue to keep it alive. We can water the seed. We can tend to the soil. We can tend to our crusted hearts. We can practice with love. Our healing medicine can be felt as a drop of consciousness in a vast sea of awareness. It's in the present moment. This is the medicine that is going to heal our hearts through love. This moment. It's difficult to let go of past wounds. It's difficult to let go of the past. It's difficult to stop clinging to the future. But just like the word craving and clinging, in Pali, it is called tanha, T-A-N-H-A. And it's loosely translated as the unquenchable thirst. So as we keep clinging on to what is not present in this moment, our experiences, we will consistently be living in the spiral of dukkha. It's a faith that we are not deserving of. It's the faith that we can transcend. If any of you have ever sat with me before, you know that I love poems. So here comes another one. Okay. This is from, she's starting, this, this woman is starting to become one of my favorite poets. It's Dana Fouds. And this poem is called Nothing More Is Needed. Inside the hot, hard knot of raw sensation, here inside the heart of fear and pain, I find the flame of truth. My path is through diving right into whatever past conditioning bids me hide or push aside. When I soften, open, accept and receive, the flow of energy is immediate. Nothing more is needed to awaken completely than the intimate experience of now.
this moment, this drop, this moment, this breath, this every moment we're walking this path. That's why I just find this practice so enriching and enduring to me. I mean, I started on this path well over 20-something years ago, and I've been practicing before that, but not necessarily in this tradition. And I realized the reason why I stayed on this path is not because I was guaranteed freedom or liberation or love or peace, but there was a possibility of it. I mean, I could almost weep because of it, right? The possibility of peace, freedom now. It is outstanding, but it's practice. So love medicine, let's come back to how we're gonna do this healing work, right? with all the beauty and the reminders of this present moment awareness that we are talking about, we still are inclined to dive into the areas of our experience that have defined our wounded hearts. Some for me is ancestral. I have found that really, and I think I talked a little bit about this when I introduced myself, this, this sense of really understanding what my ancestors have come, who have come before me and how I stand on their shoulders. So I recognize that some of my woundedness, the wounded heart has to do not necessarily with my own possible trauma, but it's actually vicarious trauma. But we walk around with this woundedness. This is where we need to apply skillful means. We've heard this word so often. Skillful means. We have to tend to the fire, the water, the air, the earth elements and space that are surrounding the most tender aspects of our hearts and help us to gain the capacity to release our shadows and reclaim our experiences of wholeness. It takes courage and determination. And that reminds me of the paramis, the 10 perfections. These qualities are those qualities of an awakened heart. And when they're practiced, and they're not through linear thought patterns, they become very fluid into our life. We can actually live these paramis. They are just 10 of the 84,000 Dharma doors to waking up to love, waking up to an awakened heart. So I'll just name them so we are clear about what these qualities are. They're the qualities that we can incorporate in our lives. Generosity. We've also heard it as Donna, right, in Pali. Virtue, morality, ethics, that's kind of all together, all those synonymous words, sila. Renunciation or release or letting go. Energy, effort, 
patience. I can get my hand up on the patience thing, right? I really try hard. How about you? Patience? Grocery store? Driving? You know, anyway. Something to, to work towards. Truthfulness. Resolve, determination. And then we have loving kindness and equanimity. And equanimity being that incredible place of holding all of it. Equanimity, Yupeka, is it's the last of the ten paramis. It's the last of the four Brahma Viharas. It's kind of holding that ground. It's the last of the seven factors of awakening. It is there the Buddha has put equanimity as balance, understanding what is as it really is, seeing life, seeing our experiences as they are. Each of these paramis and each of our lives holds such medicine. This love medicine each charts a course towards defining our true nature and not having it defined for us. Each of these paramis and all the things we're talking about, the softening of our hearts, it helps with the antidote. It helps with hatred, the antidote to love. It has an opportunity to dissolve them if that's how we choose to live. The preciousness, the sacredness of our life. Another beautiful quote by an ancestor, James Baldwin. Love takes off the mass that we fear we cannot live, live within and know we cannot live. I'm sorry, we begin again. Love takes off the mass that we fear we cannot live without and know we cannot live within. I use the word love here not merely in the personal sense, but as a state of being or a state of grace, not in the infantile American sense of being made happy, but in the tough universal sense of quest and daring and growth. James Baldwin. Can we take the masks off, the wounded masks, the masks that have disabled us in some ways from really feeling and being our true selves and our true nature. What an opportunity do we have? What a possibility we have. Melvin McLeod, who um, is the editor-in-chief of Lion's Roar, he once asked Teknat Han, our beloved Teknat Han, a question. He said, we human beings say that above all else, we want love. We want to give love. We want to be loved. We know that love is the medicine that cures all ills. But how do we find love in our heart? Because often we can't. And Teknat Han answered this way. Love is the capacity to take care, to protect, to nourish. 
If you are not capable of generating that kind of energy towards yourself, if you're not capable of taking care of yourself, of nurturing yourself, or protecting yourself, it will be very difficult to take care of another person. In the Buddhist teaching, it's clear that to love oneself is the foundation of the love of other people. Love is a practice. Love is truly a practice. And then the next question came, why don't we love ourselves? And Thich Nhat Hanh said, we may have a habit within ourselves to look for happiness elsewhere than in the here and the now. We may lack the capacity to realize that happiness is possible in the here and now, that we already have enough conditions to be happy right now. The habit energy is to believe that happiness is not possible now and that we have to run to the future in order to get some more conditions for happiness. That prevents us from being being established in the present moment, from getting in touch with the wonders of the life that are available in the here and the now. That is why happiness is not possible. And what Technohan is actually examining here is this idea of striving. You know, let and if we can let go of that, the craving, the achieving, that model, and we can begin to indwell into that beautiful sacred space of love. We can use the medicine of loving to heal. But we must first find it within ourselves. Hmm. <laughs> just thinking about the alchemy that we have to produce. Time, space, will, intention, love, and power. Put it all into our cauldron and we start stirring it. If it was October, it'd be great. It would be a Halloween cauldron of stirring. But it's Valentine's Day. So we empty it into our hearts and we begin to nurture ourselves in a way that possibly we haven't had the opportunity to do before. Because our hearts have been closed or wounded or crusted open. The Buddha has four elements of love, for love. They're not magical or any spiritual concepts. They're simply behaviors and virtues that if we hold them in order, we can make love strong and we can heal these very tender and mm, fragile hearts of ours. Once we alleviate our minds from our ego nature, we're better able to embrace these qualities of love. The first one, Mayatri. It's translated into kindness. This type of love is not only the desire to make someone happy, but the act of making someone happy. This is like using love as a verb. Karuna, translated as compassion. We have felt that so much. This is the ability to see the pain in others understanding that suffering in others and oneself, meeting it without shrinking back. 
This is the true love of a bodhisattva. Being able to be right here, close to the suffering and not turn away. Mudita, translated as appreciative or sympathetic joy or happiness. This is an element of true love. Tying all the others together, if joy and happiness do not exist in love, can it be really love? When we experience joy through the power of love, we all grow exponentially. And finally, like I had talked about a moment ago, and that is Yupeka. It's translated as freedom or balance. It's, it's equanimity. It's boundless freedom. It's without judgment, without remorse. It's spacious. It's true. We see all the experiences just as they are, not making them something else. So our time is winding down, and for me, this love heart is just really big. I could talk on and on about it, because, you know, (laughs) yeah. But I'm going to leave you with two more quotes, and then I'm going to end with a poem, of course, right? So the first quote, again, is from Thich Nhat Hanh. Just as our true teacher is within us, the real object of our love is ourselves. We have to know how to love ourselves, how to return to our true nature, to see the wholesomeness, the good, the true, and the beautiful within us. Then we will be able to see it in others. The great awakening occurs when we recognize that what we are looking for is within us. And I think for most of us, I know I know that cognitively, but I have to drop it into my body. I have to truly embody that, that I don't have to look outside myself to understand my true nature. And the last quote is from Jack Cornfield. And let me just get this up. It's an excerpt from one of his books, No Time Like the Present, Finding Freedom, Love, and Joy Right Where You Are. Very small and pithy, this quote. In the end, it is your love that matters most. Love is your gateway to freedom and your last word. It's love. It's love on this Valentine's Day. It's love tomorrow when it's not Valentine's Day. It's loved on Friday when you've worked all week. It's love for your dog and your parents and your friends and yourself, your family. So I'll end with my last poem. This is by Derek Walcott, Jamaican, a poet. Love after love. The time will come when with elation 
you will greet yourself arriving at your own door, in your own mirror, and each will smile at each other's welcome. And say, sit here, eat. You will love again that stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back to your heart, to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photograph, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit. Feast on your life. Again, Derek Walcott. Sweet Sangha, thank you so much for your kind attention. And what I'd like to do is just maybe open it up a little bit. Uh, before that, of course, I... And again, if you know me, you know I'm going to ring the bell, right? Poems and bells, my thing. Okay. Thank you again. Let's take a moment again to lower our eyes. And I want to say thank you to all the questions and all your presence and to what I feel your hearts are moving towards, which is love, freedom, and peace. May we dedicate the merit of our practice this evening to finding the wholesome, innate goodness that lies within. May we walk towards our true nature and recognize it. May we stay on the path to non-harming ourselves and others. May all beings, two-legged, four-legged, winged and gilled, all beings find their path to liberation and peace. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.